Ready for tonight? I'm as ready as a person can be. After the fight, we're all coming back here for the champ's victory party. Don't be late. Hey everyone, welcome Malcolm. back to Good the Look It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we're discussing One Night in Miami, the film, the directorial debut by Regina King. I had no idea Regina King's been acting this long, but apparently she was um, a young actress back in the day. Um, uh, let me see if I can find what the original thing she was uh, first notable on. So she first gained attention roles, uh, television series on 227. Uh, um, she was on... In Friday, she was in Jerry Maguire. She's been on tons of television, Southland, um, tons of ABC uh, and, and, and anthology series, American Crime. We saw her in HBO's uh, Watchmen. I think that was, was that last was that last year or was that two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Um, but anyways, I, I got to say, very impressive actress and uh, just always glowing and always going beyond what's being asked for asked for her even when she's on kind of ridiculous movies such as like well i think she was on like little man and i think she's done like she's done comedies she's done dramas she's been in some action she's been in tons of things she can do no wrong um plus she's a beautiful individual as well so i don't have any gripes to say about her when she's on screen but let's not talk about her when she's on screen let's talk about her when she's behind the camera so one night in miami is a 2020 american drama film fictionalized meeting of malcolm x muhammad ali and jim brown as well as sam cook in a room um sam cook is uh the the one uh singer that i was uh, unaware of from back in the day, even though I've heard some of his uh, distinctive soul records, including um, as well as Jim Brown, who was uh, an American football player. Uh, so this is about the meeting at, in a room in a Hampton house in February 1964. They're celebrating Ali's surprise title win over Sonny Liston. Uh, directorial debut by Regina King. Screenplay by Kemp Powers. We best uh, know him from uh, Soul most recently. I actually just watched Soul and uh, really enjoyed the Soul um, Disney Pixar movie. And I believe Kemp Powers had such a powerful influence in the movie that uh, he ended up becoming um, co-director and maybe co-screenwriter, maybe... EP on Soul as well. There was tons of things about him that was uh, made Soul much more notable, and it clearly had his influence. And again, we can feel his uh, his hand, uh, his uh, the writer's hand of uh, Kemp Powers influenced in One Night in Miami. Um, let me see what else we got. This is based off of a stage play of the same name. And honestly, going into this, I had no idea this was based off of a stage play. I didn't know any of that. Towards the middle of the movie, I started to feel, I was like, 
wait a second, this is a bottle film. We're, we're, it's just a couple of guys in a room and we're talking and chatting, but we're having some of the most in-depth and most important conversations that some of these people could uh, possibly have. So premiered at Venice Film Festival in uh, September 7th, 2020, um, which was the first for us as an African-American female director. It was released in limited theaters by Amazon Studios in December 2020. Um, on Christmas Day before being released digitally on Prime Video. So I didn't even know that it was released um, in the United States on Christmas. This would have been a, a, a fun watch on uh, the big screen, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and stuff like that. We are unable to do that. But um, yeah, One Night in Miami, um, I got to say, blew me away from uh, the directorial standpoint of having all of this happen in such a condensed amount of time so essentially this what is this about a two-hour movie and yeah it's hour and ten minutes i'd say uh an hour and a half of that is strictly these four guys in a room and i was like wow this is really bold to have a movie that takes place all centrally in one location and to be her first uh, directorial debut as well. And just to have it feel like it flows in an interesting way. So let's talk about uh, a little bit of the synopsis. Uh, I think we, we basically covered all the synopsis we can without going too much into the plot. Um, before we go into it, Kingsley Ben uh, ad Adir is, uh, I think I'm saying that right, I'm not sure actually. I think he's the actor that plays uh, Malcolm X. And I gotta say from the top to the bottom, I think this guy actually played Obama in something else. I can't remember, was it Beale Street or something? I can't exactly remember what he was in. But um, this actor who plays, I believe this is the actor that plays, um, let, me, let me make sure. Yeah, this is uh, Kingsley Ben Adir is the Malcolm X Direct, uh, actor who plays Malcolm X and I think he is phenomenal I think this is going to be a, a bright glowing spot on his resume for all of these actors I think all of these actors have really surpassed who they were supposed to be and they became these people Leslie Odom Jr. my god his voice it blows everybody away um we know him best for being in the uh, Hamilton um, musical, and that was one of my favorite movies back in the, uh, last year. Aldous Hodge, we've seen him in uh, Straight Out was it Straight Out of Compton, and uh, I want to say was he the same actor in Black Mirror? I don't take uh, take that as a grain of salt. I can't remember if that was the same guy, um, but he's been he's been in tons of things recently. You know, One Night in Miami. Oh, The Invisible Man. That was what it was. Um, he was great in that as well. Um, Hidden Figures, I didn't get to see that, but yeah, uh, this character, this uh, actor, is coming up uh, into his own. Aldous Hodge and Eli Gore. Oh my gosh, this guy literally blew my socks off. I thought this guy, uh, Kingsley Ben Adir, who played Malcolm X, couldn't play this guy anymore without actually becoming the guy, like em embodying him. Oh my gosh, what is this, Eli Gore? This guy was born to play Muhammad Ali. He has the physicality. He has the charisma. He has the look. 
I think Muhammad Ali might have been a tad lighter, but I don't even care. This guy is, first of all, he's a gorgeous looking dude. I mean, handsome looking guy, whatever you want to say. Uh, girls will love him. Guys want to be him. Some guys want to buck him too. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just like it, the guy can, uh, based on this performance, he could do no wrong. And he was so charismatic to have in this um, this role. He says he plays 22. How old is this guy? Um, I can't find anything about his age. He's got to be young. He's He's got to be a young buck. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's a Canadian actor. Uh, Dead of Summer, Supernatural Horror Series, and then Riverdale. Yeah, this guy, and he was in Ballers as well. Yeah, he's a very likable guy. And all of these characters, I don't really know um, the Jim Brown and uh, Sam Cooke characters as well as, you know, we hear about Ma uh, Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. Um, but I think they did a hell of a job just embodying these characters from the the blocking standpoint. Like, I felt like the physicality of Muhammad Ali, of Eli Gore's Muhammad Ali, always felt like that. Um even when it comes down to the physicality of well, uh, Jim Brown, we could definitely feel him uh, having that presence. He's he's kind of quiet, but he also has this physical uh, physical appearance that you know he's clearly the the actor that plays him. Uh, Aldous Hodge got big for this role. You can tell. Um, and Leslie Odom Jr., I mean, he has to just bring the vocals, and you can clearly tell anytime Regina King has. Um, um, has Leslie Odom Jr. on screen. She's just like, just let him sing. You know, I was, I was right there with her. I was like, how this guy has uh, just a, a powerful, powerful uh, voice. And uh, Malcolm X in the movie is, uh, he's not trying to exploit that, but he's saying that, you know, you could be using your voice for a whole nother reason than what you're using it for. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite powerful when it comes to, uh, comes to that. So overall direction, casting, cinematography, music, uh, all of the, all of the things, my only criticism of this movie would be, I know now everyone's all oh, hell grab the pitchforks. No, um, <laughs> no, the, only problem I have with this movie was I started to feel the weight of the characters having to stay in this room. There's points in this film that it feels like, all right, they're getting in an argument and they need to blow some steam off and go somewhere else. And when they do that, you know, going on the roof of the motel or going outside to grab a candy bar, I don't think that that would suffice for naturally leaving the situation. I know that this is based off a of play. I know that they're supposed to take place generally all in one location, but uh, it just something about it around the hour and 15 minute mark. I started feeling myself looking at my watch saying, all right, is it still believable that these four characters who just got done uh, you know, Muhammad Ali just got done celebrating a massive win instead of going out and celebrating and partying probably with the rest of the world that they would be in 
stuck in a motel being preached to by uh, Malcolm X. Now, <laughs> um, you know, Malcolm clearly, uh, this interpretation of Malcolm is just clearly gunning for getting under the character skin of saying, you know, why aren't you fighting for uh, fighting against the suppression that has been, you know, put upon us for I don't know how long. And yeah, you got to say that he would he would be pissed. He he he. I I don't know Malcolm X's history like many historians and probably many people that um, have him in high regard. So I don't remember exactly how quote unquote um, angry he was with the quote unquote white man. Um, I'm not saying that's all he was or if he even was angry, but it did come across as. Almost every other sentence he had uh, in him was something that was, uh, you know, pitched as we need to, like, fight against our suppression. And you can tell that the other characters, all the the other um, the other guys in the scene are trying to go along with it for a while. But once it hits a certain point, you're like, I'm not really sure if these guys would stick around for all of this at this point, you know, does, um, does, uh, Sam cook really want to sit in the room while he's being preached to by Malcolm X about, uh, Bob Dylan singing better songs than him. And it's one of the most interesting, by far one of the most interesting, uh, parts of the movie. However, I mean, if, if, if my buddy was coming in here and saying that type of stuff, uh, you know, just laying it out on the scene, even if it's true, I would be, I'd still be a little bit upset. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd believably want to stay in the same room or even in the vicinity with some of these guys saying the types of serious stuff that's happening. But anyways, um, overall, I think my only critique would be a little bit of pacing issues just around that. But if you if you were a hundred percent with everything that they're saying and the fact that you would believe that they would stay in there and not go out and do whatever, and you know, um, then yeah, I, I think that this movie is pretty much unstoppable from a tour de force acting to direction to the, 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 just the color correct, sorry, the color grading on it just looks, um, phenomenal. It's, it's a beautiful looking movie. And so, um, Anything else we needed to cover on that just right before we hop into it? Uh, screenplay, Kent Powers, based on One Night in Miami by Kent Powers. I didn't realize he had written the original one um, in 2013. Hmm. Um, let me see. Terrence uh, Blanchard. Um, the music in this was pretty incredible as well. I don't have much to say negative about that obviously um good music it felt like uh regina king did an amazing job at picking out certain selections of music that would really flow into the next um the next scene let me see if there's anything else um so this dude's responsible for perry mason defy bloods black klansman he has done some uh notable quote-unquote black films Harriet um, I think this was yeah a lot of Spike Lee stuff as well mm-hmm 
Okay, so let's hop into okay so cinematography. Tammy Riker. Um, I'm actually not too familiar with uh, Tammy Riker, but let me see. She did the Old Guard. I might have to check out the Old Guard if she did this because I I I enjoyed like the random shots of like it it takes a special cinematography and direction and editing for it to feel natural for you to stay in one location almost in an entire room for the majority of the movie i'll tell you that um so it it, it does take a special person to make sure that you're, you're choosing the right shots and stuff like that so i did like uh the cinematography as well editing uh tarak anwar don't really know anything about this guy oh god i saw the crucible um yeah, I'm actually not too familiar with any of these movies. Uh, Good Shepherd, I feel like I've heard. Uh, Revolutionary Road, wasn't that a... Was that Scorsese? Oh, Mendez, sorry. Um, Law-Abiding Citizen, King's Speech, okay. Yeah, it's a little halfway half. All right, so let's hop into the... Uh, yeah, I guess it is 20. This is technically a 2020 movie. I... Gotta think if this made it on my top 20. I, I think it might be close to the bottom of my, sorry, my top 10 of 2020. Because I actually was thinking this was going to be a 2021 release. Ninety-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's amazing. Okay, so this is uh, spoilers for One Night in Miami coming up. Plot, synopsis, everything. We talking about it all. On a budget of $16.9 million. In 1963, Cassius Clay fights Henry Cooper at Wembley Stadium in London. Arrogant and overconfident, Clay's plays into his opponent and is not to the mat when Cooper lands a surprise punch. At the Cocabana in New York City, soul singer Sam Cooke suffers through a humiliating performance in front of a cold, all-white audience. Returning home to Georgia, NFL player Jim Brown is warm, warmly received by a family friend, quote-unquote family friend, Mr. Carlton, on a vast plantation estate. Carlton ladles, uh, lays praise on the great, sorry, lays praise on the great Jim Brown, but when Brown kindly offers to help Carlton move some furniture, he casually in, uh, informs Brown that they don't allow, uh, he says the hard R, uh, Negroes in the house, quote unquote, Negroes in the house. Elsewhere, Malcolm X is returning home from a meeting and nervously discusses his plans to leave the Nation of Islam with his wife, Betty. So, um, yeah, there's a bunch of things that are happening. We're getting backstories to all of these characters. We're seeing how they're influenced in the world of the quote-unquote white man or, or just quote-unquote white culture. How are they being affected by the world that they are living in and uh i wouldn't say cassius clay is necessarily um put 
quote unquote put down in the same way as uh, the rest of the uh, characters are, you know, are having to suffer, quote unquote, suffer through, you know, Um, mostly because he is a superstar. He's a young superstar at that. And so he's not quite as um, maybe jaded as maybe um, Malcolm X is then at at that point, because he's not being put, I mean, Muhammad Ali was kind of, or Cassius Clay at this point, was basically put on a pedestal, you know, just as all uh, sports icons are, you know, nothing nothing wrong with that, but they are going to naturally be treated different, more differently, more differently, differently, I don't know, just differently um, than everyone else because they are providing an entertainment for them. And so that's why I do like how all of these characters are being affected by quote unquote white society or or just uh, culture as a whole all of them are having a different experience months later on february 25th 1964 the men are all in miami for clay's title uh title bout against debut uh jesus i can't talk They are all in Miami for Clay's title against Sonny Liston. Malcolm meets with Clay in a room before the fight, and the two pray in a traditional Islamic fashion. One thing I had no idea that this was going to be so heavily reliant on is the uh, turning of uh, the faith. I don't know what Cassius Clay originally was. Oh, my Atlanta. Am I back? Am I back? Sorry, I froze for a second. I'm not sure what Cassius Clay was before. Entertainment, philanthropist. Okay, so he was born in Kentucky. I had no idea he had that thick southern accent. Um, Wow, gold medal, light heavyweight division, 1960, turned professional at the age of 18, became a Muslim. I think they said Muslim. Um... And I, my, my buddy Haytham is Muslim as well, so I'm not saying any of this with derogatory meaning. He, you know, I completely respect all of, uh, all of the cultures and all of the religions, um, and so don't ever think that I'm ever saying anything negative against that. Um, we won, the, sorry, he won the heavyweight world championship uh, from Sonny Liston in a major upset. February 25th, 1964. At 22, so a few days later, he announced he would no longer be Cassius Clay, but Muhammad Ali. So, I mean, I don't remember if... Wow, so he tried to... Found guilty of draft evasion, faced five years in prison, stripped of his boxing titles. He stayed out of prison, was appealed, overturned his conviction... Um, fought for nearly four years, lost lost a period of peak performance as an athlete. Oh, he had not lost nearly four years of peak performance as an athlete. Wow, this guy is very interesting, and I I want to um I want to learn more about him from a a bio standpoint. I know that Will Smith played um, Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali for a while. It is quite interesting that he decided to completely change his uh, demeanor after becoming the world champ. Like, that's intense. Um, And so, yeah, 
with being friends with Malcolm X, I guess he really was. It says that um, he later disavowed the NOI, the Nation of Islam. Oh, oh, okay. So, as a Muslim, Ali was initially affiliated with Elijah's Elijah Muhammad, Nation of Islam. He later disavowed the NOI, adhering to Sunni Sunni Islam. Um, is the largest denomination of Islam, 87 to 90%. Okay, so he changed the different types of uh, Islamic nations he was supporting, I guess. He went from uh, Eli to Sunni and supporting uh, racial integration like his former mentor, um, Malcolm X. So yeah, there is tons of stuff about Muhammad Ali just kind of having uh, a, a lot of interesting backstory, especially with the reasoning of him going from um, being, I don't think it showed, tells what his original religion was before, if he was religious at all. Um, I don't see, you know, I don't, I don't see this, his original religion that he was born. I, I would assume it's probably Christian or some sort of uh, Christian based if he was born in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, continue on. Okay. Months later, February 25th, 1964, the men are all in uh, all in Miami for Clay's title, Sonny Liston. Um, Malcolm meets with Clay in a hotel before the fight and two pray together in his Islamic fashion. I love the way it's shot. I love the way it looks. Um, I'm curious about what they think about the music. What I, I'd like a couple of opinions from the people of uh, the Nation of Islam. Just uh, I don't need a couple of people. I was just curious. You know, is is it culturally sensitive to have that type of music play? The kind of uh, more Eastern style music to play when they're doing this type of. Uh, praying i know that it kind of is just supposed to evoke a feeling especially if we're in the states that's you know that's where all right there we understand that they're praying and um you're supposed to understand that and so continuing on that night brown is a ringside commentator and cook and malcolm are in the crowd as clay upsets liston making him the world heavyweight champion man i'd be ready to freaking get down boogie damn the world champion yeah I, you got to tell me that malcolm x had some like persuasion powers not to have them go out and get straight turned um so afterward malcolm invites the other three men to his motel room the three men arrive in high spirits but their hopes of a party are dashed when the teetotaling um oh that means he uh, practiced a, or promotion of complete personal abstinence from alcoholic beverages. Okay, so they're dashed when the teetotaling Malcolm makes it clear that they are only the only ones he invited. He wants to spend some time reflecting on their collective accomplishments, but tension between him and Cook arises immediately. Malcolm is uncomfortable with how he thinks Cook has sold out the black community by pandering to white audiences, and Cook refuses to feel guilty for his success. So almost immediately, there is like tension between these guys. Um, and one thing that I will say Double Toasted pointed out is that when you pair off these two individuals, so it might be different times that it'll be like um, 
Malcolm and Muhammad. It might be Muhammad and Jim. It might be Sam and Jim. It might be, um, you know, a different pairing of these two characters, and it just feels like a completely different movie. Sometimes they're like buddy buddy, and then sometimes they're like ready to tear you know tear each other apart. It was very interesting to see the 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 ebbs and the flows between the friendships, um, and that's one thing I I, I really did enjoy. Um, I do like how, what is it, like Jim Brown's like, hey, I wanted some pussy. You know, he's like straight up like, I wanted, I wanted to get laid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, this guy has the right thinking, straight the right thinking on that. I was like, my boy just won the grand finale of any, if you, if my boy won the grand finale of knitting, we best believe we better be partying or something i let alone boxing you best believe we'd be going up the club be going up on a thursday on a tuesday on a whatever day it doesn't matter it'd be going up um <laughs> so yeah just seeing the different um perspectives of these different characters is fascinating clay informs the men of his plans to announce to uh to announce his conversion to the nation of Islam, um, causing more tension, causing even more tension. In further conversation, Brown discusses his plans to become a film actor and wonders if his transition from football to Hollywood will go smoothly. Um, so everyone has like this kind of uh, like ultimate kind of goal that they're going for. Um, unfortunately, we know. I th well, we. The majority of history is written pretty, pretty uh, explicitly about Malcolm X, and so I think they say that he passes one year later after the after this movie is supposed to have take place. Um, nineteen sixty. No, I think he he's supposed to have died a few days later. Hold on, February twenty first, and they're supposed to be taking. No, 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 it is a year later. So they they meet in 64, and then a year later they say that Malcolm is going to be killed, um, unfortunately, in uh, February 21st, 1965. And they're talking about, um, you know, he is straight up paranoid by this point. He wants to, I think he says, leave the Nation of Islam, even though he's converting uh, all, you know, cash is to become uh, Muslim. And it's just like, I don't know if I I didn't exactly understand that with the exception of just wanting to make sure that his um family was okay. So uh let me see. I, I I'm I don't know if it was explicit to the audience or ex explicit to me why he wanted to leave the Nation of Islam. So um so yeah, everyone's trying to go through something, um, and I think it's Sam Cooke. He's having to deal with having to write songs that you know white people will listen to, and um, yeah, that obviously could be a problem when he's has so much more to write about, talking about you know, the quote unquote the struggle or something like that. Um, so yeah, continuing on, as the evening progresses, the verbal conflict between Malcolm and Cook escalates. Malcolm harshly ridicules the bland feel-good music Cook has produced since finding the mainstream success. 
Cook insists his business success and creative autonomy is itself an inspiration to the black community. And he still cares about the black struggle in America. Protest music is not commonly viable. Malcolm confronts him with the recent success of Bob Dylan. Why a quote unquote white kid from Minnesota can find an audience for a social commentary, commentary, but Cook cannot. And so when this scene is happening, this is when clearly this is uh, some of the best. Uh, this is some of the best. Like direction I've seen probably most of this year. You can just feel the tension that is, uh, you know, dripping off these actors. Um, couldn't have asked for a better scene when it comes down to understanding the quote-unquote struggle. As they argue, it becomes clear that Malcolm's relentless antagonism of the singer is motivated at least in part by the activist's stress over his life, especially by harassment by the FBI and his fears about his scheme with Elijah Muhammad. Um, Malcolm is devastated to learn that uh, Clay is having second thoughts about his conversion. He tells Clay that he is planning to form his own organization and asks the boxer to join. Clay angrily refuses, feeling betrayed by his mentor, which he probably should be, and wondering if his uh, conversion has been a plot by Malcolm to attract attention to his new project. Malcolm tells Clay that he would not blame him for turning on him. In the middle of their conversation, a knock at the door informs him that the press has gotten wind of the meeting. As Clay prepares to talk to the media, he asks Malcolm to come with him. When they leave, Cook tells Brown that he has similar thoughts about blowing in the wind and has already written a song but not yet performed. In the aftermath, of the night in Miami, Clay officially changes his name to Muhammad Ali while Malcolm's life is thrown into chaos as he suffers the His house is for, uh, firebombed, but he completes his autobiography. Cook debuts A Change is Gonna Come on The Tonight Show. Jim Brown leaves the NFL to pursue his movie career. The film ends with a title card with a quote from Malcolm X about the inevitability of martyrs for the cause. The film noting that he was assassinated on February 21st, 1965. And so that, that is one night in Miami. Let me know what you thought about the uh, the movie. Let me know what you thought about the review. Let me know what you thought about um, the live stream. We are currently living this, living this. Oh, how's it going, Papa Cio? Uh, thank you for following and thank you for uh, um, saying what's up. I just saw you in the chat. We are currently talking about one night in Miami and getting ready to finish up on that review. Just wanted to let everyone know about that thank you for following papa ceo i believe 
I'm saying that right. Everyone's got some really cool names, and so I'm always trying to get all of that um, figured out. So let me know what you thought about the movie. Let me know what you thought about the review. Let me know what you thought about the stream. Um, if you want this stream early uh, or live, get it mastered, all the above, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can find all of this on all the social medias. Um, what is it? SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, uh, all the good stuff, all the Patreons, all the, we got PayPal, we got all, all of that is linked in the description. That is how you can help us grow. That's how you're going to make the podcast even better. We've got people like Papa CEO in the, uh, in the chat as well. And the chill spot. Thank you for hosting as well. Thank you all for supporting the podcast. Let me know how I can improve the podcast. And uh, yeah, take it easy.